Oh, starting at verse 1. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ for the good time from the time you first heard until now. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in de- defending and conf- confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It is true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, and they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful for me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message of Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me. This will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But I live. 
I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I am torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, with more, uh, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a matter worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. There's a lot in there. Well, just to give you some background of uh, Philippians 1, of course, Paul wrote it. And at the time he wrote it, he was in a Roman prison. Um, he wrote it to all Christians in Philippi and to all the believers everywhere. He wrote it around approximately A.D. 61, while he was in prison. Paul and his companions began the church at Philippi on his second missionary journey. The Philippian church had sent a gift with Ephadius. He was one of the members of the church to give, to, you know, to give the gift to Paul. Paul wrote this letter to thank them for the gift and to encourage them in their faith. In 3, in verse 3, it says, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. I say all the time, um, quite often, um, about my church family here, I, I say the same thing as Paul did. I, I really am so thankful for each and every one of you. Amen. Very thankful. Um, it means a lot to me being here and being up here teaching. Ten years ago, you, I would have laughed at you if you would have asked me. But I wasn't remembering the God I serve. Verse 4. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. Again, I, I pray for you, all of you quite often when I drive to and from work. Um, you know, telling the Lord how thankful I am for each and every one of you. And just that you don't miss out on what God has for you, each and every one of you. 
Because if you miss out, you're missing out on the blessings that he has. And others, because of your possible disobedience, is also going to miss out. Because there's ramifications for it. In verse 4, whenever I pray, I make my request. Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 5, for, um, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ for the time you first uh, heard until now. And I am certain that God, in verse 6, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day of Christ Jesus' return. Number one, I, I want to get back, go back to where I was in the way of prayer for you guys. Um, I, I do pray that you all know what you really have. Um, and what you have as a family, um, the the benefits of being in the family of God. Um, I really needed to be reminded myself of um, what it's about to be a part of a family of Jesus Christ. Um, when you have that common bond, uh, when Rose and I go away, um, we pray all the time to meet other Christians, and it's amazing. No matter where we are and where we go, it's like you've known them forever when you run into another brother or sister in the Lord. And it, it is just an awesome thing. And it's like trying to explain to a non-believer like um, somebody that never had a child or how it, how it's, what it's like. It's, unless you go through it yourself, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's, it's just, uh, I love that. And number two, you have the Lord's protection. And I don't know if you really sit back and think about that you know, and throughout your day, but I do quite often how because of some of the things I've been through in a way of persecution at my job. And you know what? God is, has always been faithful to that. So no matter what you're going through, um, will go through, or been through, you know that God is faithful. And he'll carry you through it. And he will protect you. And that's an amazing benefit of being in the family of God. Romans 8.28 says, for all things work together for the good to those who love God and are according, you know, according to his purposes. No matter what you go through, this is one of many promises that you can lean on what you're going through. He promises that all things, good and bad, work together for the good. So no matter what you may be going through now, it's going to be work to the good. And you need to lean on that promise. That's what has gotten me through many things. Back to verse 6. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on a day that Christ Jesus returns. Just remember, he is going to finish his work. With or without your help. He is going to finish it. Personally, I'd rather be part of it. You know, I, I don't want to miss out on what he has for, for me. And I hope the same for all of you. And like I said, you can be sure what the Lord started in us, he will finish.
And that will be when the Lord returns. So remember this. It's a process. Don't get haughty in yourself. But it is a process. But I don't like when I hear I'm only human. You know, and use that as an excuse to license to sin. It is not a license to sin. What the Lord wants is the heart of how you're going to respond and react to something that you know you've sinned on. And when you sin against the Lord, it's how you're going to respond to that in your life. You know, Rose, my wife knows, when we pray together, I don't say if we make a mistake or when I, if I make a mistake. It's when I make a mistake. Because it's not a matter of if, it's when. We are, are we're all going to make mistakes. But it's, again, it's what you do with that mistake. It's how you, whatever it may be, you know, you may need to repent. You may need to say, hey, honey, I'm sorry. You may have to go to your kids, apologize to them. That's where humility will come in. You need to swallow that pride. And I pray what is the most important through a hard time is that you grow for Christ through it. So important. So I pray that you pray for the same for your own lives. I pray that you pray that Jesus fills you up so much that it will overflow in everything that you do. That you, no matter where you go, you give off the fragrance of Jesus Christ. And that's a true desire in your heart. Christians, this is the, all Christians, we need to put our priorities in the right order. If anything, husband, wife, kids, recreation, anything is before God and what he wants for your life, you have it in the wrong priority in order. And you need to get on your knees, repent, and ask for God to change your heart in that area. Because it's very important to make sure you're in God's will, because if you're not, you're going to miss out on his blessing. And I don't ever want to miss out on his blessing. And that's my prayer for all of you, too. And those who are listening. Verse 11. Oh, I'm sorry, let me back up. Uh, verse 9. 9 through 10. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ Jesus. That's what I'm talking about right there. Overflowing more and more. Every single day, and let that be a, a goal for your day. Pray. Pray in the morning. Paul got it. He understood what it was about to overflow. Verse 11. 
May you always be full with the fruit of, of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. What is the fruit uh, of salvation? What is he speaking of? Well, it's the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. You know, you know, there are two different, you have your reputation and you have your character. Your character, I mean your reputation is what people think about you. But your character is who you are. You know, I can't help but say, and I wasn't going to talk about this, but this thing about um, Mr. Weiner. He, I'm sorry, people don't think character matters, but it much does. Because you know where character matters the most? Is when nobody's around. And, you know, you, anybody can put on a front when people are around. But your true character is going to come out when you're behind closed doors. And ma it matters a lot. Question, what is your character? What do you like when nobody's around? Are you proud of it? What if Jesus, all of a sudden, when you were all by yourself at home, showed up? Would you have to hide? Would you have to put stuff away? How would you react to that? Or would you grab him? with both arms and just hug them. And what do people see when you're around? What are they seeing? Is it ugliness? Or is it Christ-likeness? It's a tough question. You know, again, I don't want this to be like a discouraging message, but I just want to encourage. Nothing I'm talking about I haven't been at and had to be dealt with. But I, like I said, I don't want to miss out on anything that God has for me now. And I really pray that you don't either. And again, let me emphasize... It's an ongoing process. Amen. Ongoing. will never end until Christ's return. So don't let Satan lie to you. Discourage you. Try to get your focus on, well, you know, I'm not worthy. You know what? You aren't. You aren't. We're not. None of us are worthy. That's why Jesus died on the cross for us. That's what makes it amazing. Yet we were still sinners when he put himself on that cross. Verse 12. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped me to spread the good news 
Here, I see Paul. He knew what he had. And he didn't focus on the circumstances around him. But rather, he saw it as an opportunity to spread the good news. He didn't focus on the storm around him. But he focused on the one who creates and controls the storms. He allows everything in your life for a reason. You just got to realize that. Because nothing gets by him before it gets to you. It always has to go past God first. And you may ask him why, why, but just trust the God that you serve. But Paul knew what he had. And he still wrote this letter. And it wasn't all about him and his, wow, you know, I'm having a terrible time here, guys. Please help me. Give me a, you know, give me a file. But he focused on his friends, his brothers and sisters in the Lord, and wanted to encourage him. He had his eyes off himself and on others. Verses 13 through 14. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Again, Paul wasn't focused on the circumstances around him. He was focused on the result. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. That's a, I don't know about you, but it, that hit home with me. You need to remember that no matter what you're going through. You need to be thankful. In all circumstances, not ones you choose. It's not a choice. This is a command as his child. Verse 17. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my change more painful for me. Their motives, Paul is saying here, they were there to take advantage of Paul's imprisonment. To build their own reputations for themselves. Sounds familiar these days. There's a lot out there, a lot of preachers out there that are not doing it for God's gain. He's doing it, they're doing it to gain reputation for themselves, to look good. You know, it's not about the numbers of people in your church. It's about the heart. And, you know, he's speaking of not those kind of preachers that actually twist scriptures, pull them out of context. They're teaching 
what he's speaking of is that they're teaching the word of God. But their ambition and their motives are to gain. Is what they can get out of it in the way of maybe money, power, and reputation. Those who are pulling it out of scripture, pulling the scripture out, is those are false um, teachers. Verse eighteen. But that doesn't matter. Paul continues, whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. Again, he's not like folks. He could, he could be angry at these people. More than anything, I see Paul being, feeling sorry for these people, for these preachers, because they're missing the boat. They're missing out on God's blessing. Because God's not going to bless their ministry. It's going to fall apart. It's going, to, it's going to be sand between their hands, and it's going to slip right through their fingers. It doesn't matter. Verses 19 through 26. For I know that as, I pray for, uh, as, as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ, as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to live, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more things fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I am torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Again, Paul's main focus wasn't about him. I'm sure he was a man with normal desires. But he died to himself. He longed to be with Christ, of course, and knew to be with him would be best for him. Not that I would have committed suicide or anything, but I've had my moments. Sometimes you just want to check out and you want to go be with Jesus. But you know what? That's a selfish response. I want to do all that I am called to do here while I'm here in this world. And I will, with my heels dug in. And there were moments that I had to do that, especially at my job. And it paid off tremendously. And that's all, all that glory goes to God. He gave me the strength to do so. But again, that, you know, 
the storm around him wasn't Paul's focus. He was others-centered. No matter his circumstances, he focused on his friends. He focused on his fellow brothers and sisters, and he wanted to make sure they stayed on track because he did not want them to miss out. He placed others' needs before his own. Unfortunately, I wish I could say the same, that I've done that all the time, but I haven't. I don't always do that, but my goal in prayer is that I do more and more and more every day of my life, rest here in this, and the rest of the time I have in this world, that it becomes better and better as time goes by. The last verses, 27 through 30. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. And then whether I come to see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith which is in God's good, um, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that there are going to be, they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God Himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are on this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. Well, Brothers and sisters in the Lord, we need to be fighting for the faith. And what is that? It's the good news. We need to be spreading it wherever we are, whenever we have an opportunity. And by all means, don't do it in your, in your flesh. Because you will fall flat on your face. And you'll fail, like I've done in the past. And I'm sure I'm still going to do. But again, my motive is for all to be saved. Even those who annoy, annoy me tremendously, I don't want them to perish. And remember, it's about what Jesus did on the cross. For each and every one of us. It's all about that. You take that away, you do away with Christianity. So live like. Don't take that for granted. Live every day like you really truly know that. And believe it. And he is also saying... Fight in a way of don't be intimidated by those around you. 
Don't be intimidated. Remember, he's got you back. And then Paul continues to remind the believers. It's not only a privilege of trusting in Christ. It's not only a privilege. But it's also a privilege to suffer for him. Let me ask you, do you see your sufferings as a privilege? I can't say I always have. But I'm starting to. Because you should. Because Christ says, if you suffer for me, it's a blessing. We shouldn't be surprised, because that's also a promise in, in the scripture, that if you're living for Christ, you will be persecuted. So don't be surprised. I'm letting you know right now. You're going to be persecuted. But now it's what you do with it. You're going to dig your heels in? Are you going to continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or are you going to whimper? Because then you're not, you're not remembering the God that you serve and the power that you have as a church family. In closing, my first question to you is, do you have your priorities in the right order? Or is it all about you? It's the trinity of stupidity. Me, myself, and I. You don't want to be there. Are you focused on the circumstances around you rather than the result? Paul didn't focus on his imprisonment. Rather, he chose to see the result of it. It's a choice. You can choose either one. God's not going to force you to do it. But mark my word, if you choose God's way, it's going to always be the best way. As Paul says at the end of chapter 1, we who are in Christ's family are in it together. And we're not alone. And remember, there is much, much strength in numbers. So you're not alone. But are you willing to do it? Are you willing to take the step and and to um, be an example of Christ in wherever you are. And to tell somebody about him. Let us pray. Well, Lord.